Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. My guest this week is Kelly V. Hill, aka More Miles, More Fun. Kelly is not only a marathoner, but an ultra marathoner. She works full time and she has three kids. And I could not think of a better guest to have on my show to cover this topic, which is all about how the heck do you find the time to train between all the other obligations that you have going on in your life from work to parenthood or whatever else fills up your day. Now, even though we do spend a lot of time talking about motherhood specifically in terms of being postpartum or breastfeeding, a lot of this discussion just applies to any parent or anybody who is a busy person. So raise your hand if you're busy. I know I am. And Kelly has some really excellent advice, not only from her lived experience, but from her experience as a running coach as well. Kelly, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And thank you for making the time. I know that is our topic today. How do we find the time to do the things that we want to do? Um, But before we dive into our topic, let's hear about you. How did you become a runner? How did you end up where you are today? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of a long story, but I was a dancer for 15 years growing up. So I was always in some sort of like sport, athletic, you know, um, team. So I was a dancer. And then in high school, I became a rower. So I was on the crew team um, and did one year of D1 rowing in college and was so stressed out being on a D1 team. It was so much pressure. And so I actually started running as like a stress relief. I had always ran, you know, like for warmups and stuff, just being an athlete. But um, it was actually my second year of college in 2011 that I ran my first half marathon. And I was just hooked from the beginning. Like, it's so funny looking back at photos because I'm wearing like a Timex start and stop watch, like no Garmin. I had no idea what like any of the gels were. Like, you know, they were handing them out. It was a rock and roll race in Virginia Beach. And they're like handing out these gels. And I'm like, what is this? And like, didn't even know what to do with. I'm like watching the runners around me trying to figure it out. So I like started with barely any knowledge back in 2011. Um, and then it just kind of got hooked and went full force into the running world, um, went through college, ran half marathons, marathons, and then um, became a certified run coach through RRCA right after graduating college, um, just because I was doing a lot of youth um, running teams. So I did like a foster care youth running program, and then I did a cross country program. So I just kind of wanted that run coach certification just as like, you know, something to support what I was doing, but not really for like my own business like it is now. Um, And then, yeah, after becoming a mom, I'm now a mom of three. And I feel like now that I have less time to run, I feel like it's even more important for my life, if that makes sense. So, you know, back in college, when I was first running, I could run anytime, you know, all I had to do is just do my schoolwork and everything like that. And um I loved running, but now that I like have less time to do it, I'm like, this is something I need to do. So it became more of a priority. (laughs) And you've done a lot of running since college. You have done marathons and an ultra marathon, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think 
I'm at 26 half marathons so far, seven marathons, and I did one ultra about a year and a half ago now, um, and it was one year after my son was born, my second child. So that was awesome, and I'm actually planning to do another ultra probably in the spring. It's it's amazing. <laughs> so when I was thinking about you know who to talk to in terms of the person who has so much on their plate with kids and work obligations and endurance running, which is a very time intensive sport. I really wanted to talk to you because I can't imagine um, what kind of time management skills you must have had to develop over the years in order to figure out how to fit your running into the life that you have, because it takes some, okay, a lot of balance, maybe some sacrifice, depending on what is going on in your life. Yes. Yeah, I know. I was looking back on, like I previously said in college, where I didn't really have a routine or anything because I was just like, oh, I have to do five miles today. Okay, I could do that at 2 p.m. if I wanted to. You know, there was no real um, like strict schedule I had to put myself on. And now that I do, I work full time, married with three kids, have my run coaching business. There's just a lot of moving parts. And so I know everyone is like, get a routine, get a routine. And I'm a huge fan of that, but your routine has to be flexible. There has to be some sort of flexibility in there. And so for me, um, before I just had my third baby, I would always run in the mornings just because that was the way I could fit in my whole run. I didn't have any distractions. And now that's just not an option. So I'm like, okay, I just have to stay flexible with whether it's stroller running, whether it's using the treadmill, whether it's not running at all and just doing a quick you know, either body weight or quick lifting session, you know, just trying to do something that will, you know, work towards my goal, even if it's not like 100% of what I'm supposed to do. I think one of the biggest shocks for runners for coming into the sport, and then they set these goals, and they want to train for longer distances is just how much time it takes to train for endurance events. It's one thing to train for a 5k or a 10k. You can get away a couple hours a week, not a really big deal. But if you're moving up to a half or a full or an ultra marathon, we're talking hours of investment of time per week. And to be completely honest, we don't necessarily always have time to train for the race that we want to train for. And one of the most heartbreaking things for me is when I have people reach out asking for help and training for these longer distances and literally don't have time to train for what they want to do. Do you want to talk a bit more about that? Yeah. And I think you said something really important too, like uh, what we want to do doesn't always align with what else is going on in our life. And I see that all the time in the runners that I coach, because a lot of them are moms as well. And it's just hard because your responsibilities may not line up with how much time you need to get in the training. So one thing that I always say is just to find your minimum, if that makes sense. So like if you're working towards a marathon or whatever your goal distance is, if you find a training plan, a lot of them will still have you running like five to six times a week. And I can say personally for me right now, I can't do that. So there has to be that flexibility I was talking about before where you can still build to it. It may take a little bit longer, but you don't have to run five to six times a week. So just kind of finding your minimum as your life changes, you know, like our responsibilities and priorities kind of flow. I always say like running should flow with your life, not against it. So it's going to change. Like you're never going to, you know, run the same days a week for your whole running, you know, lifetime. You know, if you're running 10 years, you're not going to run every single Monday through Friday. It just doesn't happen because life happens. So um, 
the one thing that I say to find your minimum is to just look at your calendar week by week and just choose like two to three days that you can fit in minimum of 20 minutes of exercise. So start there, you know, like start at the bare minimum that you can do. So whether it's you can bike, that's my choice right now. I get on my Peloton while my kids play around me. That's easier to do that than it is to go out for, you know, a long run or having to do like a quality workout with the stroller doesn't always work out. So yeah, just look at your week and just see two to three days when you can get a good amount of exercise in even if it's not running, that's where I start. And then you can build from there. Do you find that it's easier? I know, obviously, as kids grow and change and go through their different phases, they have different needs. Um, is it easier, in your opinion, for somebody to fit in a training schedule around a younger child or a child who is slightly older? Oh, that's tough. Um, I feel like I have a mix of that right now. So my oldest just turned four, my youngest is six months old. So they're not, it's not a huge gap. They're all pretty close together, but my four-year-old doesn't nap anymore. So when they're younger, like right now, my six month old is napping. And so I could be running right now on the treadmill completely alone, you know, something like that. Or running with the single stroller is a lot easier than running with the double or even the triple stroller now. Um, so I think it's a toss up. Like, with the baby sleeping more throughout the day, you could get more in during nap time. Um, you know, they go to bed a little bit earlier, things like that. But my four-year-old can play independently now. So if I'm on the treadmill, she can still play by herself while the other kids are napping. So it's kind of a toss-up. There's more weight to carry in the stroller the older they get. I'll say that. <laughs> And I want to talk about strolling running in a minute, but let's go back. And I'm very curious as to how exactly you managed to fit in ultra marathon training while having two young children at home. Cause I think that's one of the, that's a really impressive thing. Ultra marathon training is one of the most time intensive things we can do. And I know that obviously you had a years long running base to build from. It's not like you, you know, went from zero to ultra with two kids yeah, at home, yeah. but you know, what did that look like for you? How'd you do that? This sounds so cheesy, but I feel like you just have to have fun with it. Like you have to accept that every run's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be able to do every run that's on your calendar. Like you just kind of have to go with the flow. And, you know, sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, like you never know if maybe more life things happen. You couldn't build up to the certain mileage that you needed to, but just having that flexibility. So like um, when I, before I had my third, when it was just my two kids and I trained for the ultra, I was very flexible and just stuck to my long run. So like whatever I could do during the week was what I did. And then I just tried to be strict on the actual long run mileage because I knew that that was more important just in terms of time on my feet. And so I kind of did that. It was like a toss up. Like some weeks I would go like three days without getting any run or any exercise in, but then I was still building the mileage and it's still, you know, just taking things slow and having fun with it. That flexibility, I feel like is very challenging for a lot of runners who tend to be on the type A side. We tend to be, you know, if I can't do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it at all. And yeah. that that's a huge obstacle for a lot of runners, not only just having the knowledge of like, it's okay to be flexible, but then actually implementing what flexibility looks like in their training and kind of prioritizing the stuff that's important. Um, yeah, yeah. And of course, every training you know, cycle every training week and kind of goal is a little bit different. And I don't 
I'm not encouraging people to go and start messing with their schedule uh, (laughs) on their own if you don't know what you're doing, but it's okay to shift some things around if you need to. Do you have any general advice for if a runner said, I needed to make some adjustments to my upcoming training week based on being flexible, what might that look like? Yeah. So there are a couple of things that I do currently and do for myself too, to stay flexible. And, you know, staying flexible doesn't mean that you just throw your training plan out the window. Like you said, you can change things around. And um, what I like to do first is look at your weekdays. So it goes back to like that, finding the minimum. What are the days that you know that you can get in some form of exercise, whether it's running, biking, lifting, you know, whatever your form of cross training is. And then stick to those days, but also give yourself kind of like an alternate day, if you will. So like if we schedule a cross training day, but that's the day that you could get in maybe an extra like three to six mile run, then you can choose between those on a weekly basis. So like one week, it would just be like a cross training day, but maybe one week you don't have as many priorities. You don't have as many life events and maybe you do want to get in the extra mileage. So in your training plan itself can have that flexibility. It could be like a Um, cross train or three miles situation on one or two days. And then same with long runs. I like to give myself the option between a like total mileage to run or a timed run. So a lot of times if I'm feeling overwhelmed and um, let's just say just for ultra training, because that's what we were talking about. If I have a like 22 mile run scheduled for that day and that number is like really freaking me out, I'm stressed out about it. I don't want to do it. Then I'll look and be like, okay, well, that's probably like a three and a half hour run, three and a half to four hours. So what I'll do is I'll shoot for three and a half hours. If I'm feeling completely burned out, I'll stop the run there. So it's kind of, again, in your training plan, you could have those or scenarios where it's like, okay, 22 miles, if you're feeling good, or you can stop at three and a half miles. So then it's not like 22 miles or nothing. You know, I feel like a lot of people Um, And myself included, I used to definitely look at my training plan, get overwhelmed and be like, well, I just won't do anything today, you know, (laughs) just toss it out the window. And you kind of have to change your mindset that something is better than nothing. So give yourself that flexibility in the plan itself. And definitely following up with what you just said about, you know, ultra training is an entirely different beast from any other type of training that you're doing. So if somebody is listening, going, wait, I thought we were supposed to cap our long runs at three hours. (laughs) Marathon specific. If you've graduated from the marathon to the ultra marathon, that is a different style of training, but the same holds true for any long run of any length. I mean, there, you know, whether it's 90 minutes, 120 minutes, you know, if you have 12 miles on your schedule and that might take you two and a half hours, I always like to recommend for my athletes who have a real time crunch, I say, you know, for if they're, if they're a miles runner, not, not kilometers, cause it doesn't work quite as neatly, but I yeah. say, look, just try to try to get that, you know, t- just do um, minutes instead. Right. So instead of 12 miles, try to get 120 minutes. If it's supposed to be nine miles, do 90 minutes, you know, whatever, wherever that gets you on that day. Of course, this doesn't work for workouts. It works for easy mileage, but um, that's kind of another way to give the flexibility to the runner and say, like you said, something's better than nothing. And maybe it's one mile, right? One mile is also better than no miles. Yeah. And I have runners right now that because a lot of their fall races have already happened, they're not training for anything right now, but they can still get overwhelmed just with running in general, even though, you know, the endorphins are great. We love running. Sometimes you look at a week and you're like, I can't run this week. You know, it doesn't matter if you're training or not. And I think a lot of them too, um, have started to do the whole run walk strategy in terms of, 
um, if they still want to get out, but running itself, the act of running is stressing them out. And, you know, it's not as big as a priority set out for a walk, see if you maybe want to start running throughout that walk, but you don't always have to be so, you know, dead on about, I have to run, you know, you can kind of change the, the mindset there in terms of movement is movement at the end of the day. So anything that's moving you forward, I'm a huge, you know, advocate of, and um, yeah, just don't put a lot of pressure on yourself that you have to run the whole time, especially if you're not training for something or especially even if you are training for something and that's just the way your body likes to, you know, go. I know a lot of times um, I get injured really easily. So like running an ultra, obviously it's high mileage training, but it's actually not as high mileage as like someone else. Cause I'll get injured really easily. So I'm a huge fan of run walking right now because I don't, I'd rather do that and take my time than get injured and not be able to run at all. Let's go and talk about one of the most important things about time management and making sure that we are capable of doing the things we need to do. And that is getting enough sleep. <laughs> sleep seems to be kind of the first sacrifice on the altar of our limited time when it comes to scheduling all the things that we want to do. And, you know, I, my runners will also ask me, you know, should I get up early? You know, should I get up at four or 5.00 AM to get my run in before work? And it's like, well, what time are you going to bed? And they say, well, I usually go to bed around midnight. So you're only have <laughs> four hours of sleep before you have to go run nine miles. I don't think so. Like that's not okay. But for a lot of people, when they're trying to carve out additional time in their day, they just take it out of their sleep. And that's yeah. really not a good place that we want to be in. <clears throat> yeah. And I love how you framed that too, because a lot of people just look at running separately. And I guess the whole point of this conversation now is that running is your, in your life. It's a part of your life. So if you're looking at your schedule and you're doing a nine mile run in the morning, but you still have a full day of work or a full day with kids or, you know, a full schedule, whatever it may be, what, you know, that's still energy that's taken from you. So it's not just about getting the nine miles in, you know, if we, if we could all live in the way of all we had to do was run that day and then do nothing else. I feel like obviously we'd all be very, very happy, but that's just not the way life is. And um, so yeah, you have to look at everything you have as a whole and where running fits in that. And so with sleep, I just, right now I am like in the trenches with my six month old. She just started sleeping through the night, but it was a good five and a half months there where, um, no morning runs. I, again, before I had her, I would always prioritize my run in the morning just cause that's what made sense. And this is about, you know, going back to staying flexible. What makes sense for you a month ago may not make sense for you now. So if you were a morning runner a month ago, it doesn't mean you always have to be a morning runner. Um, so no morning runs for me. I always try and do it either with the stroller in the mornings on the weekends, or my husband will have the kids and I'll go out for a solo run. Um, or I'll just, you know, utilize the resources that you have in terms of if you have a treadmill at home. Obviously, some I know some runners are not huge fans of the treadmill, but it's a resource. And, you know, you should utilize that if that's the only way that you can get your run and it's better than nothing. Um, and then I've also had runners and I've done this myself a few times where I split up long runs. So like if I have the double stroller or even triple stroller. I, I don't run more than three miles with the triple stroller. It's just not possible. So I'll do like three miles with the triple stroller if I have to. But if I have, let's say a nine mile run, I'll do the rest 
either solo if our schedules can work it out or I'll do the rest on the treadmill. Don't be afraid to make running work for your schedule. So if you have to split it up, it's not the end of the world. You're still getting the miles in. And that's one of those things where it's there, the, the quote unquote rules of running. There are so many exceptions where we say like, don't split up your long run because the benefits are in the continuous, you know, having the continuous time on feet, except for when not splitting it up would mean you didn't get your run in, right? Yeah. So if the option is between not doing it or just splitting it into two, split it into two. Like that's better than doing only half or not doing it at all. Yeah. And I am totally against anyone that is extreme enough to say in the running world, it's all or nothing, because that's never the case. And I know, um, I don't know if you've talked with Mary from Lift Run Perform, but she does a lot of like strength stuff for runners. She's great. And a lot of what she talks about too, is like a lifting coach and even a run coach should never be like, only do this. This is only, you know, this is what you have to do to do this. That's not correct. Our lives aren't always based in these extremes, like all or nothing. So yes, it may be better to get your whole nine mile run in, but if you can't, we'd rather you split it up or work out another way to get some movement in, to keep your heart rate up, you know, to get in that exercise than you not doing anything at all. So, you know, I'm very much stay in the middle of the flexibility. It doesn't always have to be one or the other, which, you know, going back to the training plan where, um, you know, you can have the flexibility in there to have like one workout or if one week you're feeling good, have another workout on the same day and you can choose. And that's kind of one of the, the fun parts about being a coach is trying to figure out each individual athlete's needs and schedule and, you know, kind of what they respond to and say, you know, how, how is the training? You know, I might have four athletes who are training for the same race on the same day, roughly the same pace target, but their mm -hmm. actual training is going to look very, very different depending on what they currently have going on in their lives, their schedule, the types of runs that they do, you know, how many rest days they have, how many cross training days, the kind of lifting, you know, the kind of strength, all of that's going to look different depending on the athlete themselves. Yeah. And I think that that's a missing point on why run coaches are so important and just coaches in general, because I have experience with this too, an online training plan. I used to use Hal Higdon's training plans and they're awesome. I mean, I love them for beginners and I use them for years, but what those online training programs don't have is someone to know what is going on in your life along with the running you know like if you print off a training plan online you feel like you're like just held to that no matter what because there's no conversation going on between okay this day I can't run can we move it to this day you know I have a lot of stress going on right now can we have a down week you know it's just there's no flexibility in those plans and so I think that's a huge missed opportunity for a lot of people to use a coach of course you could find a training plan online and coaches don't just create a training plan, but what we do is try and fit it in with your life. You know, we know the bigger picture and not just the running portion itself. Let's go back to talk about stroller running and treadmill, um, kind of the tools in our arsenal of being flexible. And of course, not every super busy runner is it's there's not because they're busy because they have young kids at home. This might not apply to all listeners, but I know it applies to a lot of you because I know who <laughs> listen to this podcast. Um, two things that I hear a lot from runners around treadmill and or stroller running is that um, they're afraid that the treadmill is going to like mess them up somehow <laughs> that it's going to like interfere with their training or there's not going to be 
as impactful as outdoor running or they're struggling with the treadmill running because of the difference in pace outside versus inside. And then with stroller running, um, really having trouble adjusting to that effort based rather than a pace, or like you said, you know, trying to do a quality workout with the stroller is don't do that unless you really know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, it's really hard. Um, And again, I think it's different for everyone. Like for me, form is huge when I'm running with the stroller, because I can tell the difference between me running without the stroller and me not having back pain and stuff like that. But you know, with the stroller, especially going uphill, I've actually started to walk a lot of the uphills because I just noticed myself like using all the wrong muscles in my arms to push uphill. And it, I'd rather just walk uphill than to keep hurting my running form by pushing a stroller uphill. Um, so I think it's just different for everyone. And same with the treadmill. Like um, I'm a huge fan of effort-based running and that's so hard with the treadmill too, because you set it to a speed and you just kind of stay there. You know, it's very rare that people like can feel like they can be flexible and okay, I'm feeling tired. I'm going to slow down a little bit or I'm going to speed up a little bit. And so I think that um, these are resources, the stroller and the treadmill, and they're not the end all be all, you know? So I think, um, again, it goes back to, I'd rather you use one of those and kind of make the adjustments that are needed than you not do anything at all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And what about for runners who say, well, when I run in my proper effort zone, which is typically, you know, if we're on the treadmill or a stroller or just whatever we're supposed to be doing, a lot of times that means slowing down to the proper effort zone. A lot of runners then say, well, I just don't have time to do all the mileage that I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I can't run six miles because I don't have that much time to run that distance in my actual easy effort zone on weekdays. I only have X number of minutes, whatever it is. And then they get really frustrated and then they run their easy runs too fast. And then they end up in a place of burnout. Um, Do you want to talk about, this is kind of one of the most common things that I hear in terms (laughs) of slowing down easy days, time management, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I um, always tell my athletes, if you're feeling like you have to be stuck to a certain pace, and you're running with the stroller, take your watch off, run naked without your GPS watch. And I know a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, I would never do that. Cause we all love data. We all love to see, we all want to track our mileage and see what we did that day. But sometimes it's just better not to know, especially with the stroller, your heart rate is going to be elevated no matter what, cause you're pushing weight, you know, your, your running forms different, your breathing's different. It's going to be different no matter what. And so really slowing down or even doing like a scheduled run walk. You know, I always say, um, if you're running with the stroller and you have to do a long run, try and schedule it where you're doing like a four minute run, one minute walk. So you know that that's just going to lower your heart rate a little bit more and lower the effort, you know, a little bit more, or else it's going to feel like a, you know, running workout, a quality session, because you're like doing pushing, pulling all this stuff. So Um, really just set your expectations for what 
is the priority. So for you, is the priority getting the full mileage in or is your priority kind of saving yourself a little bit and seeing what needs to be done to get some running or exercise in for you? I get a lot of questions about just postpartum running in general and postpartum meaning just if you've had a child, you are now postpartum, Um, you know, no matter how old you are, but it's very, um, especially for first time moms, right? First kid, it is a huge shock for them to then return to running after they've been cleared by their physician and maybe are working with a pelvic floor physical therapist to make sure that everything is as it should be and strong and stable just how different it is to run postpartum. Talk about, if you mind, talk about your experience, you know, before and after kids. What was that like? Yeah, I, so this is probably going to be a long story, but I am an open book. So I will let everyone know so that they are prepared if you are not postpartum yet or anything. But um, so I'll, I'll talk it through. So my first child, she's four years old. So I had her four years ago. And I was the first time our friends to have a baby. So I had no idea what to expect, you know, no idea at all. I was cleared six weeks to run. I tried running that day. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm cleared. I'm feeling good. Um, it was terrible. I quit running after like, I mean, I think it was like three minutes of running and I was like, I feel like I'm going to pee myself. I feel like everything is basically just about to fall out of me. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to wait a week. So then I waited another week and then you see on social media and all these moms that are amazing, but again, everybody is different. And so some of the moms can get back running at six weeks and they're great. They feel fine. They're not hurting their body. Their pelvic floor is back, you know, all of that. For me, it was not that way. So I would see all these runners. I'm like, well, they're back to running. Why can't I do that? And so this is why it's so important for me to stay open because I want people to know that if you're not ready to go back at six weeks, it's okay. And so uh, my first two kids are 15 months apart, was not planned, but because they were so close, I didn't even know how much impact that was making on my pelvic floor or anything like that. So um, I did run through those pregnancies. My second pregnancy was like a run-walk situation, stopped running around 30 weeks pregnant, And then um, postpartum, I tried running again at six weeks, did not learn my lesson the first time. (laughs) And it was terrible. Again, um, I think the proper term is bladder incontinence, but I was peeing myself all the time to be completely open. And apparently that's a huge um, problem. A lot of women that happens to. So, you know, a lot of people, I guess they're quiet about it because it's a little bit embarrassing. You know, you don't know, but I'd be running with a run group and I'd be like, guys, I'm peeing myself. I have to stop. You know, obviously that's not normal. You don't want to continue running if that's happening. Um, so finally I started to take myself a little bit more seriously in terms of, okay, I just had two kids very close together. I need to start actually regaining my strength back in all areas of my life. So I started to focus on cross training more, um, especially just like pelvic floor exercises. Quick five minute pelvic floor exercises can do a world of difference. So don't feel like you have to spend an hour of your day working on it. It can be just like the littlest, you know, fine tuning things. Um, And then finally, uh, for this baby, I have learned my lesson. So I actually didn't even try running until I was about 11 weeks postpartum. 
even though I was still cleared at the six weeks, but I was like, nope, not going to do that again. Um, and it really helped me. I focused on pelvic floor. I did really, really light, just like strength exercises, mostly body weight, really low impact, you know, not like jumping squats or anything, just very, very basic stuff. And I think that that set me up more for success where, um, I'm prioritizing the strength and cross training, even though I'm still running and still training for races. Um, I know that I don't have to run all the time for me to build the mileage. And so I'm, you know, biking is great for postpartum moms because it's low impact and, you know, um, and you're still using your leg muscles and still getting your heart rate up. So I think just with postpartum running in general, don't feel like you have to get back to it when everyone else is. Focus on yourself because every pregnancy is different. Every childbirth is different, you know, especially like um, if you've had a C-section, obviously you're going to be waiting much longer and that's okay. Like you need to adjust for yourself and not compare yourself. I know it's super hard and I still do, especially with social media. Um, but instead of comparing yourself, just cheer people on. So like, know that you're in your lane and you're cheering yourself on, but if someone's able to get back to it before you and they're doing great, cheer them on. So instead of being like, oh, why can't I do that? Being like, well, I'm doing great in my lane and they're doing great in their lane. And that's kind of how you have to shift your focus. And that's just a rule for running in general. Yeah. Um, you know, no matter where you are, whether you are, you know, postpartum, if you are not a person who has children at all, whatever it is, we're all in our different running journeys. And I think one of the hardest things that we do to ourselves is compare ourselves to other people because our we are not them. Usually when we're looking at somebody else, it's out of jealousy or, oh my God, why can't I do that? And that's just not how the world works. And it's going to, some people are just going to have very, very different journeys compared to other people. Yeah. And especially on social media, you have no idea what their real life is like, you know? So like, this is kind of going back to fitting your running in with your life. Someone may only need to run throughout their day and not work and, you know, just not have kids. And, well, if they're postpartum, they have kids, but you know, like everyone's schedule is different and that makes it so everyone's recovery is different, especially in postpartum. So, um, you know, it just may take you a little longer, but again, I always try and um, frame things in my mind, like either or. So uh, in terms of postpartum running, like, okay, I could get back to it really fast but then I can get injured or I could take my time and build my base where I can continue running for long term, you know, not have to stop to do more pelvic floor exercises or, you know, some people even have surgery for that stuff. So, um, I mean, I'd rather have the less extreme where it just takes a little bit more time, but you're easing your body back into it. Something I know we didn't, <laughs> didn't plan on discussing this earlier, but now I'm curious. Um, did you breastfeed? And what was, if you did, what was running while breastfeeding or if you're still breastfeeding, how has that been like for you? I think a lot of, you know, new runner moms are like, I, I, I can you run and breastfeed at the same time? Yeah. Um, and this is a whole nother like scheduling conflict that people have to work around. Um, and so for my first, I actually uh, pumped a lot. So didn't like exclusively breastfeed, but pumped a lot. And that you have to stay on a timer. Um, you know, I'm going to get into like supply and stuff, but basically you just need to keep up your supply since you're not breastfeeding exclusively. So you have to pump like right on the dot at every three hours. So basically you're just timing your run. Like I would pump 
go run immediately and then come back. And then, you know, if it was a long run, it would basically be time to pump again. So that's just another thing to add in your schedule, which is another reason to kind of give yourself some grace, you know, like there's a kind of a beauty to slowing things down, especially if you're breastfeeding or pumping. And then with my um, third child now, I did breastfeed for about four and a half months, close to five months. And um, that was a little bit more relaxed in terms of like, I didn't have to be completely on schedule with pumping. Um, and like, I could come back immediately from a run and breastfeed. But yes, there are um, moms out there that run long distance and breastfeed and it doesn't affect your supply and it works out for them. I know of an ultra marathon runner who literally would go run an ultra marathon and at different stops would breastfeed her baby. So it's completely doable. It's just something that you have to stay flexible with, you know, and it's kind of like, even with stroller running, you know, like, you may have to stop your run halfway through to breastfeed or to hand a snack with stroller running or, you know, something like that. So I think it's all kind of a toss up in terms of just staying flexible and just doing what you need to do at the end of the day. As kids get older, we have a lot of scheduling conflicts and chauffeur responsibilities to this practice and that practice and these lessons and that lesson. Um, I mean, what if what if a runner just doesn't have, and this will again, one of those things where, you know, where do we carve out the time? What gets sacrificed? Clearly we have to take our kids to soccer practice. Like that cannot get sacrificed. Is it yeah. something as, you know, as flexible as <laughs> instead of watching practice, maybe you go for a quick jog during the practice because you don't have time to go home and then come back and run in between like these weird little kind of creative ways to fit runs into your life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think you nailed it. And I've seen moms do this and dads do this where um, we, my kids are young, so not like full on soccer league yet, but they had had like morning soccer, you know, with the little toddlers running around. And I have seen moms and dads like just run loops around the field because that's what they can do or do like walking lunges or squats. You know, it doesn't always have to be running. Um, it just can be something that also complements your running. So I think just keeping an open mind that way. And um, yeah, I think being a mom, you're like a taxi driver for most of most of the kids' life, especially when they get older. And so I think just getting creative with um, maybe you have mom friends or dad friends that you meet up with while they're in practice, wherever they are, and you go for a quick loop. So you stay in the general area, but you're still getting in some, some movement. And so I think it's just... Um, you know, having that expectation that you can be creative and it will be okay. <laughs> and I do know there are some people who say, look, I just need to schedule it or else it doesn't get done. Cause that actually is a good technique to use, especially yeah. if, you're, if your life, it tends to need to be scheduled in advance and maybe your kids are older and they are, you know, their responsibilities and their schedules pretty much set in stone you know, literally put it on your calendar. Be like, I run from this time to this time. That is my yeah. time as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, or whatever the thing is. Be like, this is when I run, you know? This is yeah. when they do homework. This is when I run. This is, I get up and, you know, they make breakfast and I'm running. Whatever the thing is, it's okay to, as life, like you said, kind of things change, right? Over time yeah. to go from being more flexible to, you know what, this is just part of the schedule now. Yeah, exactly. And that's a huge benefit, especially um, even with not running. I know a lot of people that time block now with work and with, you know, house chores and everything, you know, even date nights, like you just block off a time on a calendar 
And that's when it happens, no matter what. And so the same can go with running. And that goes back to, you know, finding those two to three days where you block off that time on your calendar when you're just trying to find your minimum. Like, what can you do two to three days a week? Just block that time off. Maybe it's 20 minutes, but maybe another day of the week, it's a full hour. You know, it can change. And then um, just me specifically, I have a great husband that will literally kick me out of the house if I want to go for a run. So also, if you have a partner that you can work with, like even if you're both runners, maybe um, one of you goes early in the morning while the other one wakes up with the kids. And then when they come home, the other person goes running and the other person's with the kids, you know, try to have that trade off. And my husband is not a runner, but he has his own hobbies. So we trade off in the sense of like um, on Saturday long runs. I have the morning and he has his thing Saturday afternoons and that's our day. You know, we have that on the calendar on our fridge and we know that that's how it's going to happen. And obviously it can change, but just having that, especially in a place where everyone can see if you have older kids too, like wondering where mom or dad is, um, they can just look and see like, oh, they're out for a run or, you know, just letting people know that like, that's your time. I think that that's really important something a lot of um, mom runners that I've talked to struggle with is mom guilt in spending time away from their kids that uh, training for especially longer distance races that do take more time to train for, you know, a big time investment in terms of family time as well, that they really struggle with spending the time on themselves, on taking the time for themselves to go on that long run, to commit to, you know, four or five runs per week if they have big goals, you know, what, what can we do? You know, how can we make our, how can we make it okay to spend time on ourselves? Yeah. I mean, this is huge and something that I deal with all the time. And I, um, I don't know if this is the best answer, but I feel like running or not mom guilt or even parent guilt is always going to be there no matter what. So whether you're training for a race or not in some way or form, throughout your day, you're, you're going to feel guilty about something. At least that's just the way I feel about it. Like, especially working sometimes I'm like, oh, I should be playing with my kids instead of sending these emails, you know? So even if it's not running related, kind of being a parent is the guilt part of it, which is kind of sucky, but it's also like, um, again, I always say in my mind, it's hard for me to get out the door, but once I'm out the door, I'm okay. So like, especially for the long runs, it's just kind of leaving that is the hard part, you know, like the first step out the door, but then it's okay. Like, you know, whatever happens going to happen. And when you come back, everything will be fine. And at least you can have your run in. So I always say like on um, days that I had a scheduled run, if I'm feeling really guilty about it, but if I didn't get that run in, I'd feel worse about not getting my run in than I would if I just left for a couple hours to go for my run and come back. And I think just mentally, like you need time for yourself, especially being a mom, because when I think I saw a quote somewhere um, that like a baby is born, but a mom is also born when a baby is born, you're not a totally different person. You're still yourself, but you have this new identity that you don't really know what to do with right away. And so I think running for me was a constant in my life. And that was something that made me feel like me when I was trying to navigate, you know, like, what does me being a mom mean? Well, I'm still running, you know, you can kind of still kind of create this identity for you. And I think that that's really important to have those things as a mom to say, like, well, I do this for myself. Um, And then also, like, not every run has to be 
solo if you don't want it to be like again going back to the stroller running and even now like my kids can scooter or bike like maybe a mile not too far but like at least they can get out and get some fresh air and um, my husband and I actually just ran a 5k with the kids he ran with the single stroller and I ran with the double and they loved it because they're out and about they're seeing all these runners and so if you need to make it a family event you know once a month or you know whatever it needs to be then do it and then the rest of your runs can be solo if they need to be um, but don't feel like you can't include your kids because I feel like it benefits everyone to include them, even if it's not going to be like a PR race or, you know, your fastest run that you do around your neighborhood. It's still good to just um, do what works for you and your family. And also just having your kids see the example of a mom or a dad or parents who are, you know, like it's so cool to say like, oh, my my parent runs kind of taking it back and thinking, you know, flipping it on its head and saying, well, your kids actually might think it's cool that you're doing this. Yeah. And I also like, I'm in the huge phase of like trying to get them to play independently. So like, obviously my three-year-old and four-year-old play well together, but um, know that it's okay that you're not playing with them all the time. It's actually good for them development wise to play by themselves. So even if that's 30 minutes, on the treadmill while they play by themselves and you say, this is your time, you know, like set those expectations with them. I have to do that all the time where I say, this is mommy's time on the treadmill. This is your time to play. And then they start to get that, you know, like maybe the first time might be a little bit rough, but then they're going to be like, okay, this is mommy's time. You know, and my kids know that, like I, I run with our dog all the time and um, my oldest will be like, are you taking us and Gunner or just Gunner? And I'm like, it will be just Gunner today. And she goes, okay, have fun. Like they start to understand the routine. Um, so I think that, you know, whatever works for your family works for your family. So whichever way you need to get your run in is how you should do it. Yeah. Kids are pretty adaptable. You know, they're just yeah. little sponges. And if you say this is the expectation and you kind of just reinforce that routine, like they'll adjust really quickly. Yeah. And they don't feel the guilt that we feel. So, um, you know, I knew I had to work on this too, because I used to project it like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going for a run. And I'm like, wait, why am I framing it like that? Because they don't, they have no idea. They're just saying, oh, mom's going for a run. And yeah, they may be like, oh, I'll miss you. But to them, it's just part of their day. It's not like, oh, my mom is leaving me to go for a run. You know, it's not that type of, they don't have those thoughts yet unless you make it so. And so I had to really reframe it, especially after um, my third child was born. Like I would say to my husband, like, oh, I don't want to like leave all of this to you. Like the guilt of leaving it with him. And then, you know, the guilt of just my older two wanting to play with me. But then, it, you know, you just set the expectation of, well, this is mommy's time. And then I'll play with you and I come back. And they're just like, okay, you know, it's so like their day is not, they don't have all these guilty thoughts that we do in terms of like how we need to spend our day and time. But that's also something I wanted to kind of touch base on, especially for parents, you know, moms specifically, but parents in general, the inclusion of new family members, little babies can be a time of emotional upheaval as well. And even though running, I know a lot of people are excited to get back to running after babies because they're like, yes, it's my stress relief, but running is not a substitute for actual mental health help. No, yeah. Experiencing like <clears throat> real issues of anxiety, depression. If you, if the anxiety you feel around leaving your children to go for a run is so intense that it's causing some sort of, you know, dysfunction or panic attacks like that, it's time to seek some professional help. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, um, even just with postpartum, I was very open that I dealt with postpartum depression for almost a full year after my son was born, my second child. And it was hard because, you know, I think a couple of years ago, people were starting to talk about it, but it definitely it wasn't the way it is now where people are very open about having anxiety and depression after having a baby. And again, I was the first of my friends and family to have a kid my age. And so I'm feeling all these emotions. I'm like, why am I feeling this? You know, there's no one there to kind of guide me through like, you know, it shouldn't be normal, but unfortunately it is normal. A lot of moms go through that. And I think one, just having the support in terms of if going for a run does help you, then getting a support system around your life, whether it's your partner, husband, you know, even your mom and dad, whoever can help you with the kids so that you can have that running alone time for your mental health and do it. And I also think that um, I used to have huge anxiety about leaving the kids, but eventually it's like part of the routine. And then you realize it's kind of a part of life where like you guys both have to go and do your own thing sometimes. And so I will say like, you know, try and find that support system, whether it's online or, you know, in real life. And then um, find what you need to do. And if that's not helping, if running's not making you feel better, if you're feeling more emotional about it, then go seek help and stop running, you know, especially with the training aspect. If training for a marathon or a half marathon or whatever your goal is, is not putting you in the right mindset, it's not worth it. You know, if you're struggling mentally through all the runs and how to fit it into your day and nothing's working, then um, you really need to just give yourself grace and kind of slow it down a little bit. And that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to kind of separate out the fact that, you know, running training for a race specific or a goal specific thing is challenging and can at times feel very hard and maybe specific workouts or runs are draining, but you shouldn't be living in a state of constant exhaustion, kind of like no matter what, like even if you're, you know, whatever, if you're not a runner at all, I don't know yeah. what podcast if you're not, but you know, in general, the, like you said, you know, the, the running should flow with your life. And I say running should fit into your life. Your life shouldn't fit around running. You know, yeah. the people that we are speaking to, these are not people who make their living based off podium performances, right? We're t talking about people who run because they like to run. And if it's not adding to your life, then it's, it's not working for you. Yeah. And I think that, um, runners that use a journal in some way to kind of track not, not only their mileage, but just how they're feeling on a run is really beneficial for them because of course you're going to have bad runs. It like, it's part of the process. I am not a fan of people saying all oh, runs are good because that's just not the case. Sometimes some runs are really sucky and, you know, obviously we want to learn from them. Um, but sometimes runs are just plain bad. And I think that there's a difference between having those bad runs and having it be part of the process than what we're talking about where you're just struggling to fit in your, your runs and the training. And I think also not only the training, but if you're in the, the wrong mindset leading up to the race and you have a really big goal for the race, say like you want it to be a PR and it doesn't become a PR, you need to be mentally tough enough to accept that. And I've seen a lot of runners that completely break down after that, physically and mentally, because they have struggled through training, want this huge goal, and then they miss it, and they're not mentally prepared to deal with it yet. And so I think that's also a part of training, too, where um, 
me as a run coach, I really like to focus on the the mental aspect of it too, because a lot of people don't realize that, yeah, if your body's ready, that's great. But like your mind has a huge factor in how your training goes and how your race goes. And then after your race, how you feel about it and how you can learn from it. If you're, you know, really struggling with how the race went, it's really hard to take a step back and learn from it. Same with bad runs too. Um, so you need to be in the right mindset and work towards that. So I guess like building the base, you need to build the base for your mind and your body before you start training. You need to be okay with, you know, setting expectations and accepting that these things happen. Not every run is going to be rainbows and sunshine and that's okay. You know, no one has that. And also not going to the immediate assumption that having a bad run is a reflection on you as a runner or as like a person. I know that, a, you know, we tie up so much of our identity in the fact like, you know, I am a runner, a runner who runs, and these are my PRs. And that means something about me as a person. And so when we don't hit the expectations that we set for ourselves, whether or not those expectations are even reasonable, um, that tends to send people into a bit of a spiral, right? And I mean, so much of what I do as a run coach, if I have runners when they have, when, not if, when I have a runner who has a bad run, whether an easy run or a long run or a workout or a race performance that didn't go the way that they wanted it to, it's like most of what I do is just reframe. I point out the positives. We like take out what, what did we learn? Oh, it was 95 degrees? Well, do you think that had something to do with it? You know, or whatever the yeah, thing yeah. is to really be in that space where, your your best learning opportunities comes from come from when things don't go as planned but you have to be in the space where you're ready to look at that without judgment instead of just saying well i suck right and just like you said about whether to you have to look at um like inward what went wrong if something did go wrong like maybe it was nutrition maybe you didn't drink enough water for the weather you know stuff like that but then also look at what you can control and then just accept that if everything that you could control went right, then that's it. That's all you have to accept. Because I know some people, you know, just like you said, with the weather, um, it's really hard to get stuck in the fact of like, oh my God, it was so hot and I had such a bad run. Well, the weather is out of your control. We can't change that. So yes, it made it a bad run, but everything that you could control went right. So let's keep doing that and working towards it. Because one day you're going to have a race or a long run where it's perfect weather and you're going to be able to take what you learned inward from that bad run and, you know, see what happens on that day, too. And I also think just it's kind of like what they say about students and test taking. People can be really, really good students and learn a lot and be terrible test takers. So, you know, some days the race just may not add up and you may just not be in um, a good like race day you know like sometimes it just happens and our body just doesn't you know our mind and body are on different pages and it just happens and i think um i always relate to it with students and tests like i was a terrible test taker but i had good grades and i learned a lot so it doesn't really you know goes back to just because you have a bad race or a bad long run doesn't mean you're a bad runner there's no such thing as a bad runner there's a thing as a bad run but no such thing as a bad runner Yes. And I think what we're describing basically is resilience, like, you know, to cultivating the resilience to, you know, not be judgmental about the things that have happened, the flexibility to do what you can when you can, and the kind of, you know, maturity kind of analyzed in this way of saying, look, doesn't reflect on me as a person. This doesn't affect my, am I having a bad run? Doesn't make me a bad person or any less than I was before. But cultivating the resilience to have days that don't go as planned, whether it's a workout or a run, 
and then just kind of move forward, bounce back and move forward. Um, and, you know, and as we get busier, whether it's from parental obligations or, you know, work or just life or for caring for older parents or whatever the obligation is, you know, there's always going to be more than just running in our lives. And so the more obligations we have, the more resilience you have to cultivate and kind of grace you have to have with yourself in these moments. Yeah. And I think part of being resilient too is breaking your mindset down to the absolute minimum in terms of if you run, you're a runner. That's all you need to to say to yourself in times of if you look at your pace and you're like, I'm slow, I'm not a runner. We tend to overcomplicate things. And so, you know, like your pace, your data, your mileage, your bad race, your bad run does not equal that you're not a runner. So I think that part of resilience is really breaking those steps down and being like, wait a minute, but I am running. I am doing the act of running. And that means that I'm a runner. And then building from there, like I'm a runner, I can do this, you know? So I think we, some of us need to reframe sometimes and you have to do that constantly. It's part of the process, especially in training. Like you're going to have a bad run that beats you down and then you're going to have to break everything down again and rebuild back up with your mindset. And just to end on this note, because I feel like this is another thing that a lot of people in general, but moms specifically worry about that going through periods of detraining, whether it's that you just took a break or maybe you got injured or you had a baby, you can get back to where you were before and faster. Just be, you know, sometimes I mean, I get messages from runners who are afraid to take a rest day because they're afraid of losing fitness. And I'm like, well, have you met all these moms who are setting PRs now that they have babies at home? You know, it's taking time off for whatever reason, going through a period of less relative activity is not a reflection on where you're going to end up long-term. No. And I think, um, I'm a huge image person. I learn like looking at graphics and images. So I always like to think of like what people think rest is, is like, they can't see me right now, can they? <laughs> Listening to this podcast, but basically like uh, just an incline. They think that training, incline, 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 think of a graph. And then they think rest is going all the way back down to the beginning of that incline. So they think that it's starting over, whether it's one day, a week, or even two weeks. I think there have been scientific studies out that say you can actually go 16 days. It was 14 to 16 days without losing fitness. And so I think people, again, think that it's kind of like a triangle. Like you start, you build with training, and then when you rest, you go all the way back down. That's not, that's not the point. You just pause. So it's kind of like you do an incline with that graph and you take a rest day and you just stay there and then you keep going. And I think that it's important for people to remember that, that resting is different than just completely stopping. You know, if you stopped running for six months to a year, not because of injury, you know, something like that, then that's where you're going to have to rebuild. But taking a couple days, even a week of rest is not going to bring you back down to the beginning. Kelly, this has been this has been a really wonderful conversation, and I hope that we have given people a lot to think about. You are a running coach, um, and I love your Instagram account, which is at More Miles More Fun. Are you currently <laughs> taking clients, or what's your coaching situation now? Yes, I am. I'm taking clients, and I normally take them on a monthly basis. So at the beginning of each month, which is perfect, because I just realized we're at the beginning of November and not yeah. in October anymore. <laughs> oh my God, this year is moved very quickly and very slowly at the same time, but like, oh my gosh, it's almost Thanksgiving. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
Uh, well, if you are not following Kelly, you definitely should. I am like blown away by the pictures of you and all your children and your, so did you say you have a, a triple running stroller? I do. Yeah. I made those. They don't anymore. You have to buy them used. Yeah. They stopped making them. So you have to search Facebook marketplace and Craigslist for all these things. And, um, it's a lot. <laughs> I'll say <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I mean, just, just that sounds like it's going to be a quality session, no matter what on yeah, those days, yeah. <laughs> no long runs with the triple it can't happen. No hills either. <laughs> and you're the founder of founder of the happy runner club. Um, tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so the happy runner club, I actually, um, have coach Aaron with me. She's run strong mama on Instagram and we, it's just this online membership for runners. So if you can't afford on one-on-one -on -one coach, it's great for you to have still um, like live Q and A's with us. We have a sports dietitian on there that can help with any nutrition related questions, um, you know, for training, race day, all of that. And then we also have um, monthly running strength workouts that we have people do um, and just kind of really have that basic knowledge and training plan as a foundation and have that running community as people are training for things if they can't do, you know, the one on one route. So it's really, really great to have that option. That does sound great. And it's not even that I think we kind of frame it as oh, if somebody's not working with a coach, it's because, you know, I understand that working with a coach is also a monetary investment. But like some people just genuinely don't want to work with a coach. And that's exactly. also fine. But they still might have questions that they need to ask somebody who is more qualified. Yeah. And some people don't need to work with the coach either. Like a lot of people um, have found already what works for them and how to build their base. And just having that online community where you can get on a Zoom with coaches and not always have the one on one, but just kind of say like, hey, what's your feedback on blah, 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 you know, just kind of have that conversation um, with coaches and the sports dietitian too, if you want and have that extra support. That sounds, that sounds like a great resource. All of that's going to be linked in the show notes. You need to find Kelly, follow her, check out her pages. And if the happy runner club might be a fit for you, listener, I definitely encourage you to check that out as well. Kelly, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.